I'm Chelsea Fairless. And welcome to another episode of the Every Outfit Podcast. Why are you phrasing that like a question? Which which was which was a review. <laughs> I realized. They were like, why is it when Lauren makes a point, she phrases it as if it's a question? It was worse. It was like, I love everything about this podcast, but I'm often confused why Lauren will just end things that are clearly statements as questions. You should have phrased that like a question. Uh, you again. We have seen a lot of each other this week because we've been recording 10,000 <laughs> fucking podcasts for one thing. Well, I'm trying to soak up your face because I'm not going to see you for almost a month. I know. It's crazy. And we did go to see Tori Amos together this week. Yes, because when your wife is out of town, we do all the like platonic couple stuff that clearly she would never have any interest to do. No, not at all. I love when we got out of the uh, the car because the theater was in downtown L.A. Lauren wasted no time being like, that's the building where Johnny Depp and Amber Heard lived together, where the infamous bed shitting incident took place. It's the Eastern Columbia building designed by one Miss Kelly Wurstler. You mean the interiors? Yeah. Like, this is like a deco building, right? Well, yeah, she's married to a property developer. I know all about Kelly Wurstler, and I'm so thrilled that she's on TikTok (laughs) showing her insane lifestyle. It really fucked me up, though, that she made that TikTok promoting her Pharaoh and Ball collaboration and was, like, painting a wall in a full Balenciaga outfit. (laughs) It's like, get out of that. Wear a fucking Tyvek jumpsuit like a normal person. Honestly, the book that I need from her is not another collection of her fabulous interiors from her Malibu house. It's how she was able to have all of these pristine historical pieces of furniture and also have two boys and not have her interior fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, yes, we <laughs> we saw Tori Amos. She's amazing, obviously. We both loved that she sang Siren from the Great Expectations <laughs> soundtrack. Were you proud of me that I, I valiantly <laughs> paid for valet parking? Or it wasn't even valet parking. You paid for VIP valet parking. <laughs> that I parked myself. <laughs> you were probably dying on the inside because you were like, I have no choice. <laughs> Otherwise, Chelsea's going to call me a cheap bitch on the podcast again. I paid $40 (laughs) to park in the parking lot adjacent to the Orpheum Theater, or else they were like, you could pay $20 and go across the street. And there was like a moment where I was like, I'm never going to hear the end of this if I make Chelsea walk. You know what? I should have Venmo'd you, though. That was rude. It's a company expense. Okay, right. It's all good. We also bought Tori Amos merch on the company card. (laughs) It's now a business expense. We're discussing it on the podcast. (laughs) My oversized Little Earthquakes tea was a great investment. Yeah, what was the shirt you were going to get and then you were very upset that it was only the back? The I Believe in Peace bitch one, but that was on the back and there was a peace sign on the front. It's like, I'm not walking around with a peace sign with that chest pocket placement. I'd sooner kill myself. Anyway, I think we were the youngest people there. It was a lot of Gen X people. A lot. No, everyone was our age, Lauren. (laughs) Not the people behind us. 
There was a lot of women our age or older wearing leather jackets and skinny jeans and then a lot of just gay guys in their 30s and 40s. The guy behind us was an outlier. He was a straight man, seemingly. Imagine if Patton Oswalt was playing like a <laughs> drunk guy at a tailgating party or something, but instead of being obsessed with football, he's obsessed with Tori Amos. Yeah, and also has been watching a lot of Drag Race with his wife and daughter, who I think were also with him, because behind Chelsea, he was just screaming, Yes, bitch! <laughs> Throughout the entire concert. That was fucked. Anyway, great to see her. She looks great. She's a very slept-on fashion icon, I think. No one ever really thinks of her that way, even though she's been wearing like all of the cool avant-garde Belgian and Japanese designers for years now. The way pop culture is going, we're like five years away from having Cornflake Girl placed in some Netflix show. Oh, I think we're six months away from that. Do you know that Kate Bush, because as we know, she wrote Running Up That Hill. So she's getting $200,000 a week from the streams of people re-listening to Running Up That Hill because of Stranger Things. Seems like she should get more money than that, but whatever. Also, we should note that Tori Amos did sing Running Up That Hill as part of a medley in her show. I think she has no choice. She's like, I'm not her. But <laughs> I'm not not her. I am the closest thing that exists. How was your father's day? I mean, I called my dad. I sent him a Prezi, you know. Yeah, I hung out with my father and we watched the J-Lo documentary. Mm, how was that? It was very good. Although it is clear that she saw Beyonce's documentary and she was like, I can do a documentary about how hard I work. Right. For one performance. Yeah, I don't know. I like J-Lo, but wait, have you still not seen Marry Me? Marry Me? Marry Me? That's her song. That I know, because <laughs> in the documentary, it talks about how she is preparing for the Super Bowl, seemingly slightly pissed she has to share the stage with Shakira, is shooting Marry Me, is doing the awards run for Hustlers, and that editing team is doing an amazing job cutting A-Rod out of the entirety of the documentary. Oh, damn. I really wanted to see the BTS from their uh, His and Hers <laughs> hymns campaign. I've always loved J-Lo. A lot of the documentary is about how no one has taken her seriously, which in one respect I understand. Well, yeah, she's made very commercial and shitty movie choices. Right, but her internalized perception, which, I mean, is hers to feel, but that no one thinks that she can act or sing is, I feel, unwarranted. It's like, she's in out of sight. She is categorically a good actress. That's true, but she's never been in... Uh, indie movie. She's never been in a movie that's just a good movie. Not in the last 10 years. Like, that is a point that no one makes, which, why would you if you were in JLo's inner circle? But yeah, there's a lot of that in the documentary of like, you know, the last time I got a Golden Globe nomination was for Selena. It's like, I'm sorry. I, well, one, you should have been nominated for the wedding planner in the best musical or comedy category, but it's like Hustlers is the first thing you've done that would get nominated for an award. Yeah. But I was losing my mind because, of course, while I'm watching the documentary, I'm like, what's going on with J-Lo's Instagram? Chelsea? She posted a Father's Day post dedicated to Ben Affleck. Oh, I saw. I did see this. Yeah. Okay, so there's <laughs> one for her own father. There's one for Ben Affleck. There was not one for <laughs> Mark Anthony, the actual father of her children. It was a montage of videos that she's taken of Ben Affleck Photos of them, including a never-before-seen behind-the-scenes photo of them on the yacht from the Jenny from the Block video, score two. 
my favorite song, Dear Ben. <laughs> I'm glad she hasn't forgotten that piece of music. I think it's time for a Dear Ben remix. <laughs> you know how Madonna is just like hell bent on releasing like a new remix of Frozen every single week? Maybe you haven't noticed, but she is. I think that J-Lo could, could do that with Dear Ben. Well, it seems that Drake and Beyonce are bringing house music back. So I think a house music version of Dear Ben is in my future. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard Drake's album at all. I like Beyonce's song, although I feel like it would really benefit from a Nicki Minaj feature. <laughs> release your job. Release your foundation. Release everything. Well, the best part of it is the Big Frida part, right? Yeah. The breakdown. Did you also see the video from Father's Day of Justin Timberlake performing and doing soft choreo? And it's just very I embarrassing. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to watch. I think the best tweet was like, we, we tried to ruin Janet Jackson for this man. Yes, but I maintain that the Super Bowl incident was staged. Oh, it was absolutely planned, but he did <laughs> throw her under See, the See, that's why, box. as much as I wanted to love the Janet Jackson documentary, which I don't think we ever talked about, we I did. was just kind of like, Ugh. We did. Okay. <laughs> All right. Who would think that there would be more Sex in the City-related stuff to talk about? And yet, there is. Just before we went to record, Dumois posted a blind item having to do with two of our favorite characters for the upcoming season, and just like that, which they are currently writing. So this is a friend of, or a partner of someone in the writer's room spilling this, if this is true. I guess. Or some crazy person just made this up. Like, this is making me think that I should just be submitting crazy <laughs> blind items to Dumois just to fuck shit up. Do you want to read the, the post? Which, by the way, is completely anonymous. Dumois has little to no editorial standards. No shade. It's just a fact. So keep that in mind. Subject, special guest star to appear on and just like that. Message, this award-winning lead actor on a premium network show is going to be making a special appearance on the channel's hit reboot. Look for him as a special guest star who comes between the relationship of two characters, parentheses, including your favorite non-binary character. The main character, who is going through a midlife crisis and gave up her career in marriage for them, will walk in on our guest star being pegged by the non-binary character while he is dressed like a tortoise and they are dressed like a hare. Things will get steamy and strange when this show returns for season two. <laughs> okay, I don't even know where to start, but I am curious. What do they mean by premium network show? Is that like HBO Showtime or is that NBC, ABC? Well, I guess, yes. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Netflix. So premium networks, but networks are ABC, C CBS. Yeah, so is it Patrick Dempsey about to get pegged or what? Or... Do they mean premium like primetime TV premium? I don't know. What if it's Chris Maloney? That's genius. Yeah. That's genius. Him getting pegged by Che? He'd also be down for it. I love him so much. The detail that I do not believe is this tortoise in the hair thing. Which is a name of an episode from season one. Yeah. Also, I feel like you have to like pick one fetish to really emphasize. Like, is it pegging or is it being a furry? Like, yeah. it's too much to do both. But you know who would do both? Our favorite maximalist, Daddy MPK. I don't know. Che doesn't strike me as a furry or a fetishist in that way. This also doesn't make a ton of sense just because they are still in the writing phase. Unless Daddy MPK was talking to Chris Maloney and they're reverse engineering this appearance. But usually they would write something for someone and then in the casting process, they'd be brought on board, which is not where they're at right now. Yeah. I call bullshit. 
Yeah, because they've set up the fact that Che is Polly, even though they haven't really... I guess they said it once on the podcast. They've alluded to, yes, that they're non-monogamous. They're not going to set up the fact that this person is non-monogamous and then not follow that through. There's going to be some iteration of this plot line. I don't know if it's going to be pegging. I don't know if it's going to be Chris Maloney, but... I think the one thing that I got from that Michael Patrick King Variety article we discussed last week is Daddy MPK really does feel like he did something with that fingering scene and that he needs to top himself. <laughs> now they have to up the ante. So it's it's going to be Che pegging someone while Harry takes a shit. I don't know. <laughs> God, please give us Harry and Charlotte as soft swingers. (laughs) Yeah, that needs to happen. In other news, SJP Collection has closed their store in Midtown, which was the one that took over the old Manolo Blahnik store, and it has moved to the West Village to Bleecker Street, where it is taking over what was formerly the Marc Jacobs Special Items store. Sad to see. Well, to be fair, the Special Items store has been gone for years. Has it? When did it go away? At some point, it turned into, I think, a store for just the makeup. Oh, I'm confusing it with Bookmark. No, it's not Bookmark. All right. Did you never go to the special item store? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know that there was a special item store, but... This was a store where... Because Marc Jacobs in the early 2000s took over Bleecker Street. There was the Marc Jacobs store. There was Bookmark, the book store. There was the men's store. There was the children's store. A whole ass street. But the special item store was like an early precursor to today's merch culture. And it was basically a merch store for the brand. And you could get like... They always had those t-shirts shirts with the naked celebrities to raise money for like oh my god wow you just unlocked skin cancer something. or something yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah 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 you would go there and you would buy like a vinyl tote bag or like a little heart-shaped compact that said Marc Jacobs like they had all these cute little things it was very cool yeah they kind of folded that into in LA the Mark by Mark store had a bunch of kind of accessories yeah it was a great place if you didn't know what to uh, get someone for their birthday totally you just buy them like a $15 lipstick pen so yeah that's where SJP collection is very close to Magnolia Bakery it makes sense I don't know if it's open yet I think They just took over the windows with like coming soon. Right. Well, you'll know because Sarah Jessica Parker loves to drop by and and do a little light shoe fitting work on customers. I don't know if it's light. I got the sense that during the pandemic, she was a full time employee at the South Street Seaport location. She's a little busy these days. In other news, we watched Queer as Folk. How far did you get? I watched the first episode, but I'm in. So not far at all. I guess I actually have to get a Peacock subscription. Oh, I'll just send you my login. I loved it. Yeah, I kind of fuck with it. I've been texting people and everyone's like, I hate it. But I'm like, really? I don't know. It's just like very watchable for me. I mean, obviously, (laughs) it threw me a bit for a loop that they have an event that's very similar to the Pulse nightclub shooting in the middle of the pilots. Yeah. But other than that, I was like, oh, this is really fun. Well, did you ever watch the original Queer as Folk? I have, and I'm obsessed with the fact that they're like, 
from the original British series to the American version to now this one, they're like, the protagonist character is always going to fuck a 17-year-old. We will <laughs> No <not>. matter what. <laughs> no matter the cultural feelings about grooming in the intervening years, we can't let go that this adult man has fucked a 17-year-old. <laughs> it's so true. It was especially fucked up in the American version, which I never watched the British version, but it's like, yeah, that kid, that twink was like in high school. <laughs> And this one, they're like, further complication, guess what? Their teacher is the best friend of the older guy that they fucked. <laughs> yeah, but back to the uh, terrifying mass murder, that did happen in the original Queries Folk. I think in the last season, because remember the main guy owned a nightclub, like a gay nightclub? Right. At some point, there was a mass shooting in the nightclub. And at the time, I remember everyone thinking it was very like over the top and fucked up. And then when the Pulse nightclub shooting happened, I was like, oh, this is literally that episode of Queer as Folk. So it's life imitating art, then art imitating life. Yes, but I should say the shooting in Queer as Folk is not gratuitous. In the new Queers Folk. It's not like that Madonna music video that came out post-Pulse where they actually just showed like graphic violence. Did you see that? No, I've, for my own protection, I've sort of stopped watching Madonna music video, social media content. I don't know why I'm bringing up Madonna so much in this episode. She's eternal in our minds. But we've yet to mention why we're discussing this in the Sex and the City section is Miss Kim Cattrall is the mom of two of the main characters. And she has a very thick Louisiana accent. She's like, I'm not dropping it from that Filthy Rich show, okay? <laughs> so I'm six, seven episodes in. I'm almost done. She's barely in this show. Oh, so what I saw in the pilot is the most she's in the show? There's entire episodes that she's not in at all. Right. So if you're coming to this thinking it's going to be a Kim Cattrall joint, it, it isn't really. She's great, but she's a very minor character. Although, can I spoil something for you? You know I don't care about spoilers. The audience might care about spoilers, but I do not. So Kim Cattrall's whole plot line is that one of her gay sons gave sperm to a couple that's right. like a non-binary person, a trans woman that have twins in the pilot episode. Kim Cattrall then gets railed by the non-binary one. So it's like the parent of her grandchildren right. yeah. is fucking her. You know what? They're just taking aspects that would be on a soap opera and just placing them into an updated version of Queer as Folk. And I'm here for that. Yeah. Also, I want to note that Kim Cattrall does sing Maybe This Time from Cabaret. Basically the entire song. <laughs> we should also mention that Juliette Lewis plays the mom of the underage kid Mingus as the coolest mom ever. That's yeah. so thrilled when their child gets a D+. And is also so thrilled that they get a fake ID so that they can participate in a drag show. How have we not talked about Mingus's portrayal of Fruza Balk from the craft? <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, Juliette Lewis is so cool that she has little like face jewels like on the inside corners of her eyes. And she gets more screen time than Kim Cattrall for sure. Well, because she has an underage child. <laughs> Someone needs to be shown mothering the child who's still in high school. We don't get the full, like, the American queers folk where they're living together, do we? Who's living with who? Mingus is living with the main character. Oh, right. Because we get that in the American queers folk. I remember that clearly, that he's, like, in high school, <laughs> taking his SATs, living with the main character. 
in retrospect, it is pretty creepy that his much older boyfriend takes him to prom. No. Yes. And then, of course, because it's queer as folk, like they're the victim of a hate crime. I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's not funny. Well, and that's an interesting thing about queer as folk is that this one also, it's like it is not about that sort of happy-go-lucky, will-and-grace, queer assimilation narrative. Like, in the world of Queer as Folk, the world is still a very scary place, which is consistent with the original show. Give me that uh, Peacock password. (laughs) (laughs) So, we have some beauty news. Yes, I went to Sephora. I did see this new House Labs rebrand in person. (laughs) House Labs of, or House? House. Labs being Lady Gaga's new clean makeup line. Formerly a non-vegan line, now newly relaunched as a vegan beauty line. It's giving drugstore. It's shocking how cheap this looks. I feel like nothing about this packaging looks custom. I feel like if we went to any LA-based cosmetics manufacturer and was like, we don't have any money, (laughs) what can we get? This is what we would get. It's never, in my mind, been more competitive to be a singer, a celebrity, an influencer, having a skincare or makeup line. So you really need to make the packaging distinctive. Well, it's also just weird because what Lady Gaga is known for over the topness, that's her entire stylistic persona. So it's weird to have makeup that looks like this. It would be like if Grace Jones had a makeup line and it looked like bad Clinique or something. It doesn't make sense. The color palette is very, very Clinique. Well, I feel like Clinique isn't that adventurous in terms of the shades, but it really reminds me of Halsey's makeup line. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying Clinique in that kind of peach bronzy packaging coloring is what it's reminded me of. But Lady Gaga, as you said, is someone that's known for very extravagant looking makeup. And it feels weird to have these combo products like an eye, cheek and lip pigment paint. When I look at Gaga, I don't think about a multi-use makeup product. Totally. Where are like the temporary face tattoos? Where's that half magic type bullshit? I will say the one product I do like is this lip crayon lipstick. I like something that's in between a lipstick and a lip liner. Okay. Again, that's just such a a lip crayon is kind of like practical in a way that I don't understand for Lady Gaga. I'm also stunned that it's a very limited range of products. It's only this lip crayon lipstick, this lip oil, that multi-use, you know, eye cheek lip pigment, a highlighter, a bronzer some eyeliner and an eyebrow pencil where it's like when I think of Gaga I think of a big eye look I'm really surprised that there's not like a Gaga eye palette yeah nothing about this feels Gaga well we're certainly not getting on the PR list (laughs) speaking of celebrity makeup lines Lauren did you notice my eyebrows today you know what I've been staring at our outline the entire recording of the podcast let me take a look Ooh. I mean, fluffy as you love them. Are they on point or are they hella on point? No, <laughs> no. I mean, yes. Thank you to our contact at the Gwen Stefani makeup company. I love how we fully made fun of the fact that Gwen Stefani only has one lipstick shade. And the PR was like, what's your info? <laughs> Which is great because that's why I love our listeners. They get it. All press is good press. And I actually like the Gwen Stefani pencil. I do. It's one of those ones that's like microscopically small. Like you could almost like draw on a hair. 
Okay. All right. And Lauren, I have a very special gift just for you. <laughs> yes. It is Gwen Stefani's One Shade of Lipstick. Ooh. It's Matt. Please report back. All right. I will. But in other celebrity news, Haley Bieber has a skincare line. Can you believe I actually did not purchase it? Actually, I meant to, and then it completely sold out. So Ugh, this looks so cheap also. This was developed with the same budget as House Labs. It's also giving me the vibe of... Um, Millie Bobby Brown's Ulta Beauty line. Someone has already made that point. It's because the fonts in both brands look pretty similar. It's also giving me the vibe of that like hipster toothpaste that Kendall Jenner used to be always. Oh, Moon? You know, it's like that kind of vibe. There's nothing expensive looking about this. Well, I think it's supposed to be, certainly compared to Kim Kardashian's skincare line, a more economic product range and price point I mean a good typeface is free I mean not really because you have to obviously pay a designer but you know it costs the same amount of money to print something beautiful on a plastic container than something ugly this is the same thing that I, I don't understand about shoes right I get why the material of a cheap shoe would be cheap the toe shape? There's no reason for that. It costs the same money to have a beautiful toe shape than a cheap one. Well, I mean, you're in the minority. It's sold out. Anyway, this line is all about restoring your moisture barrier, which has become like a new thing in the last year. Everyone's rediscovered their skin microbiome. And then looking like a glazed donut. I hate it. I hate it. I think this is so dumb and boring. You know who's also not a fan? Who? The clothing brand <laughs> Oh, <Rogue>. right. <laughs> Who's had to sue Haley Bieber. Yeah, I was aware of that brand, but I totally forgot about it when I first saw that this line was coming out. Well, when I went to go find Haley Bieber's website to see if I could order anything, the first thing that came up was the clothing brand Road, who the other day published to their Instagram stories. They have taken legal action against Haley Bieber and revealed that she attempted to buy the name of the brand from them four years ago. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. It is her mother's maiden name. It's not like she just picked that name out of the clear blue sky. For sure. But if there's already a brand with the name that you want to name your brand, you just have to think of another name. Baldwin doesn't have the same appeal for a glazed donut skincare line. <sighs> the thing that I don't understand in all of this like skin beauty, whatever Kim Kardashian's, this road beauty thing, it's like these people can hire creative agencies Right. To think of a good name. You can pay someone to do that. What would you have named her brand? I have no idea what I would have named it, but I'm just saying like she could have found a great name that wasn't already taken. She just didn't bother to do that. I'm very curious to see how this lawsuit plays out because I don't think she's going to change the product name and they certainly aren't the clothing brand. Yeah. Craziness. We're fucked if Gwen Stefani starts a clothing <laughs> line called Every Outfit. <laughs> After years, we finally have decided to press. <laughs> we need to file legal actions against one Miss Gwen Stefani. We've worked very hard on the Every Outfit brand name. Wait, what was the name of her clothing line? Uh, Love Angel Music Baby? Oh, Lamb. Lamb. It was Lamb. <laughs> of course, how could I forget? In other news, the spooky and prolific makeup artist Isamaya French has a new line of makeup coming out. The packaging was revealed last week, but it's not on sale yet. What do you think? Finally, 
makeup for for my black industrial gothy hearts. Yeah, it's very hot topic looking. Everything is pierced, like the mascara is pierced. I think there's some kind of pierced lip gloss. Everything is pierced. The eyeshadow palette, however, has a sort of melted black rubber woman. It's giving me a girl with the dragon tattoo opening sequence. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Well, also, it's I don't know what that specific subgenre of rubber fetishism is, but that one where basically it's like the person is like on what looks like an operating table and then they put like a vinyl, they put a rubber sheet over you and then they suck out all the air. Yeah. Which it's like mummification or something. Which the only time I've ever seen that is staying up too late and watching an old real sex episode. (laughs) And they put a straw right where the mouth is so you can breathe. (laughs) See, that's a bridge too far for me. I understand. You think? Yeah, it's like I get the aesthetic of rubber and like fetish clothing and that kind of stuff. And I understand the concept of bondage. But that is like the most extreme version of a weighted blanket that you could have. (laughs) But it looks very cool. Yeah, I am, I'm going to buy this. But I'm just a skincare whore. I'm buying everything right now. I'm going to buy whatever the, the clear brow stuff is. I trust that she knows how to keep a brow in place. I'm definitely getting this eyeshadow palette. Yeah, it looks crazy. And how nice, an actual makeup artist jumping into the game, not these deranged celebrities. And wouldn't you know it, the creative direction for it is genius. Yeah. So I was in Nordstrom day before yesterday Mm. and I saw that Diptyque is now making cleaning supplies so they have a dish soap they have a surface cleaner they have some sort of dish brush they have some sort of like wood cleaner so are you forsaking your safely for this oh fuck safely (laughs) safely is terrible I'm sorry it's not it's not good it smells like shit it looks like shit I love this odor removing candle (laughs) For $70, it's like, isn't that just a candle in general? I know. How does this remove (laughs) odor? So the dish soap and the surface cleaner are each $40. The package is refillable and you can refill that shit for like $28. So I guess it's not as bad. I think it looks very cute, but I don't think I could give up my current favorite dish soap and surface cleaner, which is Courtney Cox's Home Court. (laughs) I love home court. Although I just figured out that that's a pun. Chelsea. (laughs) Because it's home and Courtney. Yes. It's so good. I got it because they have a rose scented dish soap and service cleaner. And that's just like a product that doesn't exist. Right. Right. And I'm obsessed with it. Did you know it was Courtney Cox's home cleaning product line before? You purchased Um, it? Like, were you just like, ooh, there's a rose-scented cleaning products. I need this. I knew it was her, although she's not heavily in the branding. But I should also note that it was co-founded with Nick Axelrod Welk, who started Necessaire. Oh. So that's why the branding looks the way that it does. And it's really excellent. I would sooner die than give up this product, actually. It's so good. I trust Courtney Cox's aesthetics because even before it was popular to flip homes, even before she was on Friends, that's what she was doing in between acting jobs, was flipping homes. And she, like Vincent Gallo, (laughs) is actually a genius real estate mogul. So um, yeah, I trust her aesthetics, actually. 
Yeah, you should get it. Highly recommend. Also, I should note that Nick Axelrod, who I just mentioned, co-hosts a really great podcast called Eyewitness Beauty that I would recommend to anyone that cares about the kind of dumb shit that the beauty stuff that we talk about because they cover all of that too. It's a very good show. Shall we get into Men's Fashion Week? Sure. Are people tired? Are editors okay? Like we used to have fashion seasons. This used to be a civilized society. It is a season. It feels nonstop. It feels like they were just in San Diego for that Vuitton show. And now it's like, we got to go to the menswear show. Well, it it is nonstop now. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I feel like market editors are like traveling salesmen where it's like, mommy, I haven't seen you for my last two birthdays. I got to go to the Prada show. (laughs) I liked it a lot. I think it's fascinating that both Raph and Musha have this shared agenda, which is putting men in shorts. (laughs) No one makes better shorts than them, truly. That's true. I like the repetitive looks that they were doing where it's like here's three men in you know in black suits and skinny ties you get it do you get it now now do you love it it's like they were all slightly different but that's the shit that people actually buy very true i liked the gingham stuff i noticed that there was a pink and white gingham coat that like sarah jessica parker's wallpaper also reminded me of the book cover for a lonely doll i was like is this a micro trend That is a parallel path that we never took, which was like the most niche trend forecast. Yeah, I'd love to see Prada do a full-on collaboration with the estate of Dare Wright. Because those photographs from those books are haunting and would be perfect on clothes. That could be a good like undercover collaboration also. What if the only way that that collaboration was to happen was it was with Dior women's wear? Dior men's wear would do it before Dior women's wear. It's also a very J.W. Anderson type collab. Yeah, I did like the interpretation of the the Prada symbol, the triangle symbol in just stitching. Oh, in Rick Rack. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. On to Versace. The Italians, they they <laughs> love a pattern. See, we've given Donatella too much influence and power because she's like, Euro trash, you love it. Yeah, of course. Well, that's all they buy. That and like Philip Pline and shit. I liked the first section. I liked the silhouette of those suits and how 80s it was and how old school Gianni it was. But I think my favorite thing about this show is that we got Versace home on the runway. Right. The models were carrying like vases and urns and shit like that. And uh, I've always been of the opinion that Versace home is fucked. (laughs) No one's house should look like this. It's like the most terrible looking things in the world. But unless you're Robin Williams in the birdcage, no one should have this. (laughs) No one should have this stuff. Although I really get nostalgic about Versace home because... The Richard Avedon ads from the 90s and the Bruce Weber ads for Versace Home are just like among the best campaigns I've ever seen. So major. I think Smith Jared was in one, actually. Jason Lewis, the actor. Whatever. The now actor, former model. (laughs) So you can have a terrible product, but if it's photographed well, it can be some of the best photography out there. Yeah. I just remember all these ads where it was like models were like human furniture and shit. It was perfect. I mean, Versace ads in the 90s and early 2000s are really unparalleled. Truly. On to Brits. Your love, J.W. Anderson. We got another surrealist collection from J-Dubs, who hasn't had a fashion show in a really long time. 
he himself. Yeah. There was the Lueve show. Yeah. But this was like surrealism by way of the 1990s because it was all compact discs and barcodes and skateboards and... Broken skateboards sticking out of Angora sweaters. Why not? I do like... I like the shirt that had little cutouts so the nips were showing. Mm-hmm. I like a I like a hidden male nipple <laughs> peeking out. Yeah, it's like why not do these over the top pieces because so many of his clothes are wearable anyway. It's not yeah. like it's all like that. I definitely think those distressed jeans that had I can't tell if that's it looks almost like a brown paper bag underneath the jeans. Yeah, there's a lot going on with a lot of these looks. On a related note, I want to bring everyone's attention to the fact that Lueve is literally selling rocks. <laughs> you have a link for this, but it's not, it didn't take me anywhere. Oh, well, just Google Lueve rock and you'll see what comes up. Um, so they're selling $350 rocks at Bergdorf Goodman. Oh, this knot stone? Yeah. Oh, it's with the fabrication wrapped around the yeah. rock. Yeah, they're rocks, but they have leather tied around them. It's like traditional basket weaving techniques, which obviously they're obsessed with. But I still just find the concept of pre-ordering a $350 rock from Bergdorf Goodman to be hilarious. You can't make this shit up. You know who probably has already pre-ordered one? Kelly Wurstler. (laughs) Kelly Wurstler bought them out. (laughs) It's on to Kardashians. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. <laughs> so I did place an order for Kim Kim Skin, Skin by Kim. And you didn't get anything for me? What the fuck? I thought we were sharing. You allowed me to buy three products. I thought we were sharing them. How can we share products? I don't know. I was <laughs> going to get the whole set, but you wouldn't let me. God. I'm just pissed that you didn't like ask me if I wanted anything because I did. Is it sold out now? No, you can buy individual oh. products. What? Okay, what did you want from the collection? Oh, I just wanted the eye cream. I got the eye cream. Oh, well, let me know how it is. I will. <laughs> I got I got the hyaluronic acid because I saw a few TikToks where that was well-reviewed. And then it's like as the product was launching, actual TikTok estheticians were like, this is kind of whack. So I'm like, fuck. And then I got the vitamin C8 serum, which dermatologists on TikTok actually approved of, and the eye cream. Okay. Report back. I will. Although I did see videos of the packaging, and I do think it's really fucked up that it's marketed as refillable, but it's just a plastic container going into another plastic container. Yeah. Did you see the video where she's talking about the inspiration for the packaging and the name? And to no one's surprise, Kanye was instrumental in that of course but again she's also working with a great creative agency i don't know who but someone she's not designing that shit no someone give lady gaga their number yeah i see in the doc you put that chloe is dating a private equity investor but i did not actually read about this yeah there's nothing more to this than really the headline he's a new mystery man thank god it's not another basketball player it seems like she's breaking the cycle And we're happy for her. This has been my dream for her to just date someone that works in the industry. Yeah. In a non-public facing role. Great. Yeah. Wishing her the best. Well, we've blown through the dock. And this is the last pop culture episode that we're recording for a while. That's right. Because you're not only leaving me, you're leaving all of our (laughs) listeners to go to Europe. (laughs) 
gross and you're not taking me rude (laughs) sorry honey well we have pre-recorded some fun stuff so you will not be without episodes of the pod but we're not really going to be commenting on current events necessarily sorry guys You'll just have to wait a month. But we are doing an episode about Sex in the City too, so look out for that. Yes, that is, will be our Patreon episode. There'll be a lovely little sample for you guys in the main feed in the coming weeks. But yeah, and next week we're going to be having a call-in show where we will be answering some of the questions that you've left on our hotline. Beautiful. All right, see you guys then. Bye. Bye. Bye.